You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello and welcome into the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. Really excited about the podcast. We have come in your way today. It's a two-parter, maybe even three parts, depending on how you want to characterize it but we're going to talk to two different texas writers we're going to get some perspective on the longhorns and just this matchup overall as ku goes down to texas to take on the longhorns saturday 230 kick on abc it's the first of two back-to-back games that KU will have on a national broadcast they play on abc this week fox next week for the ucf game and I think this is a really huge matchup for Kansas, and this is really going to be a huge measuring stick game for the Jayhawks. We've seen the improvement right along the offensive line, the defensive line, the defense overall. This is really going to put that all to the test. This is a a super talented Texas team. I think probably the best team Kansas will play all season, unless there's some crazy bowl matchup where they play an incredibly talented team from the South, maybe, but Texas is loaded and this is really going to challenge a lot of the growth we've seen from KU. And I'm really fascinated to see how KU approaches this game. Generally, I think the run game is going to be really, really important for KU to try and minimize the total number of possessions. This Texas defense though is going to be really hard to run the ball against. And on the opposite side, KU's run defense is going to have to be ready for the task because you look at this Texas offensive line they're big, they're physical, they've got a really good running back. And I think overall, right, this is just going to take everything that we've seen from KU so far this season, all the encouraging bits that you know we've talked about on this podcast before, and it's just going to put it to, I think, the highest standard test you can see. So really interested to see what happens in this game, but we'll get kind of two different perspectives here. We're going to talk to Chip Brown a little bit more big picture about Texas and this KU matchup 2021-2022 how it all wraps into this game. And then we'll get more into the nitty gritty with Jeff Howe, who I thought really brought some great analysis on some of the areas where KU might be able to attack Texas and where he thinks some weaknesses might be for Texas in this game. So hopefully you all enjoy. Um, We'll have more post-game content as always on fog.net. But if you're listening to this on Friday or or pregame Saturday, make sure you head over to the website fog.net. We'll have all sorts of coverage there for you, but hope everyone enjoys this podcast and has a great. All right. We are joined now by Chip Brown of Horns 247. 
Chip, you've been covering Texas for a long time. And Forever. Th- this seems like a Texas team that has about as high expectations while also having the ability, I think, to meet those high expectations. And Texas is off to a, a really, really good start this season, undefeated with a, a really a marquee win over Alabama earlier this year. So right now, heading into this Kansas game, I always like to start these off by trying to get a, a picture of what the fan base and the mood is like right now. What's kind of the mood been around Austin with the good yeah. start Texas has had? You know, it's we we jokingly talk about Texas fans having UTSD from all the all the seasons that they thought they were ready or they thought Texas could put it together. And then inevitably there was a banana in the tailpipe and it came crashing down. The the chandelier just, you know, lopped him on the head. So they're starting to believe, I think, in this team. And and I think there's good reason to believe certainly in the Texas defense. I think the Texas defense has played at an elite level. Um, they'll, they'll give up some runs early. Uh, they gave up a 62-yard touchdown run to Wyoming in the first quarter. That was a freshman mistake there. They gave up some runs to Alabama, but then they they get it together. They adjust, and they just have been you know, putting the clamps on people defensively in the red zone, especially. I, I think that's significant for, for college football fans because – you know, teams have been 10 times inside Texas's 20 and come away with one touchdown. And two of those happened last week against Baylor on muffed punts. Xavier Worthy muffed a punt. Jordan Whittington muffed a punt right at the Texas 20. And the defense limited that damage to three points. Um, And they forced three turnovers in those Mm -hmm. situations. So, I think the Texas defense has been good from the beginning. The Texas offense, Quinn Ewers, has been really good on the road. He was fantastic against Alabama, 24-38. You know, just deep balls, touchdowns to Adonai Mitchell and and Xavier Worthy. Uh, Found JT Sanders, the tight end, open for 50-yard game. He just saw the field. And that was a crazy atmosphere, Michael. I mean – for anyone who's been to Tuscaloosa, they do their game day right. It is a, it's just a flashbang of music and LED lights, especially at night, and it's deafening. And when you know, Alabama took the lead, 16-13, to go into the fourth quarter, you're like, oh, here we go again. And then boom, Quinn Ewers leads them right down the field, uh, takes the lead again, but then. Here comes Jalen Milrow. He goes right down the field, and it's Texas 27, Alabama 24, and Jalen Ford, the middle linebacker, said it felt like we were losing because the crowd was just going bonkers. And and then Jaron Thompson with the big interception sets up a a seven-yard touchdown run, kind of started to uh, break that game open for Texas. But I think that was a big confidence tank filler. Uh, for this team and they have been focused like they said at the beginning of the year you know before the rice game everyone's already looking ahead to alabama and you know johnny Barron, their star nickel uh corner said you know we have a championship game every week and we're like oh god here listen to this coach speak blather but he came right back and said it after they beat alabama and he's Mm -hmm. right 
If they want to play for a national championship, every week is a championship game. And I'll give credit to Sark. He's been able to keep them on that level plane and not, you know, do this. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's kind of what's most impressive from a big picture standpoint. Um, special teams is usually really good. Last week it wasn't. I mean, two muffed punts mm-hmm. right there, handing the ball over uh, to the opponent at your 20. That's not good. But they've been pretty good on special teams. Ryan Sanborn, really good punter. Bert Auburn, you know, seven of 10 on field goals. But, um, you know, the return game with Xavier Worthy has been good. It's been a weapon for them, and it wasn't. Well, it was and it wasn't. He had a 40-yard return in last week's game, but he also had the muffed punt. So, mm. Yeah, and something I want to get to here is you mentioned the banana in the tailpipe, right? And I think for Texas, that has been the issue. I think I look at that 2021 game between KU and Texas and Austin, and I think that was very clearly a game where Texas took Kansas lightly. Kansas played its A game, was able to force some big turnovers in the first half, hold on in the second half. I look last season, right? There's the loss on the road to Texas Tech, which I know has been a challenging place for Texas. There's the lost Oklahoma State. And maybe you hit on it there, but how much do you think this Texas team is different in that it can't avoid those letdowns? Where I think a lot of KU fans look at this game and they see the schedule. They see Texas and Oklahoma is next week, right? And I think everybody knows that that's such a big game for the university and for the football program. So I guess, how do you feel like this team is going to be able to manage, you know, quote unquote, a look ahead spot when in years past, these have been the games where maybe Texas would fall flat looking ahead. How do you feel like they'd be able to manage this? Yeah, I think the really interesting thing coming into, well, Sark was one in six in true road games to start his time mm. at Texas. And it, and it included those games you just mentioned, the, and, it, and they all seemed to involve Texas losing a double-digit lead in the second half. I mean, Texas was up 31-17 on Texas Tech late in the third quarter. Stopped running the ball. Joey McGuire's going for it on fourth down every time. He's making fourth downs. Um, at Oklahoma State, Texas is up 31-17 again and stops running the football. I mean, you got Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson averaging – you know, over six yards of carry. It was really weird. Um, and they lost those games. And then they go to K-State. And that, to me, was Sarkeesian's signature win until the win at Alabama. Other Texas fans would say, oh, the 49 nothing waxing of OU. Well, Dylan Gabriel didn't play in that game. You know, uh, Brent Venables in his first year trying to get a complicated defense installed. I was like, enjoy that one, Texas fans, because obviously that was the most lopsided win for Texas in the entire Red River shootout series. Yeah. But I think what's really stood out is they're now a second half team. They've had two 21 point. They've had a 21 point quarter in four straight games. Now, against Baylor, it was in the second quarter. Against Rice, it was in the third quarter. Against Alabama and Wyoming, it was in the fourth quarter. And that's when Texas was typically falling apart. And Steve Sarkeesian said something interesting this week about the Kansas loss in 21. He said that game exposed some warts in the program that we needed to get rid of. 
And there was some, uh oh, here we go again, personality on that team because they had, they had been in in games where it got away from them, and there there definitely was an uh oh, here we go again mentality, and it infected the locker room. There were some veteran guys who had that. So those guys are gone. Sarkeesian's brought in his guys. He's recruited incredibly well. And now I think they do have more of a killer instinct to close mm. out games. And we'll see if, if it persists. But since that K-State game on the road, um, then they played Kansas on the road last year, dominated that game, and and now have you know gone to Alabama and won, handled Baylor on the road. So for Texas, it's about you know getting an edge at home. It's weird that they've kind of been lackadaisical to start games um, at home. And if they do that this week, let Kansas hang around, let Kansas get belief like they did in 2021. Watch out, you know? Yeah. I think the belief part, it's funny you mention that because this is something Lance Leipold has talked a lot about where I think early in his tenure, there was that feeling of, Oh boy, here we go again. Right. And I think for KU, at least last season was the year where that started to change where they got down 14 nothing to West Virginia, came back and won that game. Down 14 nothing at Houston, won that game. And the mental resiliency, I guess, has really grown. And something that I found interesting from the players that we talked to on Wednesday was that they've focused a lot more on last year's game with Texas than the 2021 game. I got a good response from Lance Leipold. Um, it wasn't intended, but I asked him, you know, when someone mentions that 2021 game to you, what do you think of? And he goes, I don't want to talk about 2021 at all. And I think their focus is more so on, hey, last year we got our butt kicked by Texas. And that Texas team, I think, came in with that thought of, all right, you guys embarrassed us. We were, you know, memes and everything for a year and we want to dominate. And then I look at this Texas team now compared to the one we saw in November, and it feels like they've just taken the next step as a program too. So where do you feel like the evolution has come for Texas where – they were a good team last year, but now it feels like they're a great team. So where does that growth come from? And, you know, obviously the scoreline wasn't pretty last year. I think KU with the healthy Jalen Daniels, maybe it's different. But, you know, where does that evolution come from with Texas over the last kind of six, seven months? Well, I think they have experienced leadership at every position group. And that is a rarity. That's why I've been saying mm -hmm. this season is it. This is the window. Now, Sarkeesian's done a good job of recruiting, and we're seeing some young guys grow up who are going to ascend and take over for these experienced leaders. But let's start with the defense. Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy are a problem. These guys wreak havoc up front. They, they screw up everybody's running game. They force everything outside, and now they have guys outside who can you know, set an edge. Baron Sorrell, Ethan Burke. And they're very multiple and versatile. I was doing a snap um, sort of count for the insider that we put out every Thursday morning. And it's amazing how guys have moved. You know, Jalen Ford played weak side linebacker the first two games. Then he played middle linebacker the next two games. Mm -hmm. Jody Barron, the nickels, playing nickel, and he's playing strong safety. It's They're so versatile. You don't know what they're doing. They disguise really well. And they have guys who've been around and are smart enough and experienced enough to pull it off. 
on offense, they've grown up on the offensive line. That has been the single biggest position group weakness in the Texas program since 05. Because believe it or not, even when they went to the national championship in 09, that was not a, a very good offensive line. That was all Colt McCoy making plays outside the pocket, throwing it to Jordan Shipley. This offensive line is now, you can say, a strength. And mm-hmm. they've got Kelvin Banks, who's probably going to be a first-round pick at left tackle. You know, Quinn Ewers is in the second year of the program. Jonathan Brooks, even though he's a new starter at running back, he's been in the program three years. He was here with B. John Robinson, Roshan Johnson. Obviously, Xavier Worthy has uh, been in the program three years. Adonai Mitchell's won two national championships at Georgia before – moving to Texas where he's closer to his daughter and JT Sanders is the first team all, all big 12 tight end. When you look at each position group, they now have the guy in the room who can say, guys, we're not putting up with this. We're not doing this. We're doing this. Get focused. They can police each other. And Michael, you and I both know when the players are coaching the players and the players are policing the players and demanding more of each other, that's when the magic happens. You know, no one wants to say the B word. Texas is on the way. <laughs> Texas is back to work. You know, that's yeah. what everyone says. Is Texas back? I'm like, Texas is back to work. You know, they're yeah. they until they win it, they're not, they're not the B word. Yeah. And I, I want to get your opinion on some of the the press conference stuff. Obviously, you guys get to talk to Steve Sarkeesian. When you talk to him Monday, what were some of the the themes that were hit on with Kansas. Cause I, I find it interesting what opposing beat writers are asking the head coach about the Kansas team that they're about to play. So what were some of the themes of the questions and did Sark say anything interesting about KU this week? Well, Sark is very aware of Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal. I mean, he, he Sark doesn't usually go into a lot of detail about opponents, but he did with Kansas. You can tell mm-hmm. That 2021 game is burned in his mind. Even though they handled business in Lawrence last year, he knows how dangerous, you know, Jalen Daniels, Devin Neal, and the speed that Lance Leipold has brought into the Kansas program. And then on defense, you know, he's aware of the portal um, fines that that mm-hmm. Lance Leipold brought into the program and and said, this is a different Kansas team than the one we faced last year. And he has a lot of respect for the fact that Kansas is number one in the nation and third down conversion rate and that Kansas has totally transformed their defense from a number standpoint last year, giving up 200 yards rushing per game and now under a hundred yards rushing per game. So I think there's a lot of respect there. Um, he did say, I'm not, we don't have to go back to 21 to motivate these guys. Mm. You know, he said he, he did. He brought it up the week before with Baylor. Well, he said after the game, he said, look, a lot of you guys came here two years ago, suffered a tough loss. I want you to appreciate this win. When someone asked him, well, do you bring up 2021 with Kansas? He said, no, I don't need to shame these guys into, you know, wanting to play better. Although you got to think the position coaches are out there going, you know, last time these guys came in here. Yep. You know um, it. But it's I think Sarkeesian has a lot of respect for Kansas and he knows because someone asked him point blank, is this a trap game with OU coming up? And Sarkeesian said, no, 
we're, we are very much into, um, you know, each week and focusing in on, on what we can control each week. So, uh, it'll be interesting because I think this is a, this is a little bit of a grow up game for Texas in terms of just cleaning things up at home. You know, they've had pre-snap penalties at home and they've had one on the road. They've had five at home, you know, just, uh, like I said, the slow starts, the, um, not, uh, not converting in the red zone. They've kicked a lot of field goals, a lot of short field goals. They can't do that. If they're going to win the big 12, they're going to have to, um, you know, 16 red zone trips, only eight touchdowns, but four of those field goals, I think are, you know, 36 yards or less. So they were in the red zone. They didn't, they didn't get there. So there are definitely things that Texas still needs to, to focus on. And I think Kansas has their attention. Awesome. Well, I'm really looking forward to this game. I think this is one of those where, at least for KU, it's a good measuring stick because I don't think there's a, a more talented team in the Big 12 than Texas this year. Um, Chip, thanks a bunch for your time. For folks that want to go read your work, where can they find you both on the interweb and then also on t- Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it? Yeah, days. yeah. Um, Chip Brown, 247 on social media. Uh, of course, horns247.com, and I do a daily uh, radio show on Texas Sports Unfiltered, the YouTube channel, uh, from 1 to 3 Central Time. So appreciate you uh, having me on, Michael. Looking forward to seeing you here in Austin. Yes, sir. I can't wait. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we are joined now by Jeff Howe, who covers Texas Four Horns 24-7. Jeff, we were talking before, I'm headed down to Austin on Friday. What's kind of the, the vibe been like? I asked Chip the same question, but what's the vibe been like around Austin? I'm excited to get down and see the game, but are fans fired up for this game? Are fans looking ahead to Oklahoma? What's kind of the the mood been around the, the team lately? Uh, I told people for whatever it was worth going into the year that the game that concerned me just because of where it fell on the schedule was the KU game because like I, what a healthy Jalen Daniels does for Kansas. He he's more important to, to his team than anybody else in the big 12 probably. And so I've had my eye on this game. I think fans are turning their eye to this game now taking it a, a much more serious than normally texas fans would take a game against kansas but you, you know you look at how things have gone for texas obviously you, know, you had the big one a couple of weeks ago against alabama 
you go to Waco to play Baylor, which is probably the last time those two teams are going to play. I mean, the only two teams Texas has played more than Baylor in their history uh, are Texas A&M and Oklahoma. So mm-hmm. for the Baylor people, that's what, that was a really big deal. And if there is such a thing as a as an amped up crowd in Waco at McLean Stadium, that was it at least for the first bit Saturday. And then Texas got out to the big lead and everything kind of died down. But I think there's a big respect factor because of the game two years ago uh, and because of Jalen Daniels. And I think what everybody's seen Lance Leipold do with this KU program. And yeah. I was I was looking at it now. I mean, I, I've been you know talking to different people that, that follow KU football and, and looking at some of the numbers. I'm like, yeah, their defensive line depth is better than I can ever remember it being. Um, you know, they don't have – maybe they don't have a – you know, Des Briscoe or something like that, a wide receiver, but they, they've got some nice receivers and, and you've got the most dynamic quarterback in the conference. Devin Neal's probably the best skill position player in the conference that nobody really talks about. So this is a this is a KU team that's going to really test this Texas defense. This Texas defense is legit. It's, it's one of the better – it's one of the best starts to a season I can remember yeah. a Texas defense having. So it's – I think Texas fans are actually – taking this game serious whereas in the past there's no way you could get anybody to take a a game against KU seriously yeah and I mean you hit on the matchup for me that I think is really going to determine this you know KU's played up against I think some good defenses I think the front seven for BYU and Illinois were really physical right want to get after you but I look at this Texas defense and watching the Alabama game if you make Alabama and their athletes look average like you've got some really good players on your defense. And I think for KU to stay in this game, right, I think they've got to be able to run the ball, control the clock, limit the total number of possessions. And I look at the defense too, and I think they just got dudes at every single level. For you, like what's been the most impressive part about Texas defense? And where do you feel like the, the strength of that defense lies? I think the strength is up the middle. You know, when you're the spine of your defense is really strong, you've got a chance to be good. And you look at where Texas is right now. You know, they're four, they're four interior linemen, the primary four guys with Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, and Vernon Broaden. It's about as good of a, a four-man rotation, and honestly, other than maybe Georgia, that anybody's got in the country at defensive tackle. I would put Texas interior D-line group up against anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Ford was an All-American last year at linebacker. He had a big interception last week against Baylor. He's actually got two picks already this year, uh, and he's so fast going sideline to sideline, really holds everything together. And knock on wood, but Jalen Catalan, they've been really smart about managing his snaps and the Arkansas transfer, man, he's been every bit as good as advertised. There was never a question of talent with him. I mean, everybody – that watched Arkansas over the last few years, saw what he did when healthy. He just wasn't able to stay on the field. Well, he, he's been healthy for Texas through these first four games and what he brings, not just as a coverage guy, but his ability to fill the alley, to come down and thump. I mean, he had he had a tackle last week where he filled the alley, and, and you know, I think Baylor threw a little quick pass or maybe it was a, a, a wide zone. I don't remember, but, man, he filled the alley and just blew up the ball carrier. And you're like, there's only a handful of guys in the country that can make that kind of play. So they're really strong up the middle. Swain, but the the big difference with Texas this year, even compared to at times last year, man, they're winning up front. Like they just win one on ones up front because they're so big and they're so athletic. Like that's what really strikes you about, especially the interior guys like Sweat, Murphy, 
Collins, even Broughton. Broughton's one of their better pass rushers, but he doesn't play as much because who's he going to get reps in front of you to take reps away from Sweat or Murphy? Um, yeah. They're real. They're so big, but they're so athletic. And that's really what the Baylor game boiled down to. And, and to a certain extent, the Alabama game, they just they just won up front. Their defensive line was better than the other team's offensive line. And at the same time, the attention the interior guys get, the edge guys have had their moments where they've been really good. You know, Baron Sorrell uh, has had a couple of really big games. Ethan Burke had his best game this year against Alabama. You're starting to see some guys that they recruited a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, if you really follow recruiting, you'll remember names like Jamon Tapp and Justice Finkley, guys that have been stashed away for a while. But now they're rotational guys, and now they're starting to play really well uh, mm-hmm. because Texas is, you know, Steve Sarkeesian and Pete Kwiatkowski have done a really good job, especially, you know, I don't know what the weather's been like in, in Kansas, Swain, but, I mean, it's it's been so hot here, and especially like that 2.30 kickoff against Rice. They knew they were going to have to play a lot of guys, not just to yeah. keep guys fresh for the fourth, fourth quarter, but they're like, look, it's, it's early September. Like, we want to be into this thing around Thanksgiving and into early December, so we got to make sure our guys can get to the finish line. So defensively, you'll see, man, Texas, they'll play a lot of guys. You'll see a couple mm. freshmen in there, you know, Anthony Hill at linebacker, Derek Williams at safety, Manny Muhammad at corner. So they'll throw in some true freshmen. Those true freshmen have been really good. So you'll just see it, – it's not just that they're starting 11. It's that they've got talented depth at every position. Mm. And, and trust me, KU fans have seen it. Like Texas hasn't had that in a long time. We've you've seen some Texas teams where and their starters might be good, but you start putting some backups in and you notice a drop off. Man, there mm-hmm. there's some positions where they can go really really deep with talented guys. Yeah, and you mentioned the spine of the team, especially defensive tackle. Like I look at KU's tackles so far this year, like Dominic Pooney, Bryce Cable do. Like they've been good. If you look at the Pro Football Focus numbers, like Pooney's only allowed one pressure. I think. Cable is allowed two, maybe three all season, but mm-hmm. the interior of KU's offensive line, I think, hasn't been the best so far. You know, Michael Ford got banged up last week. Armaje Reed Adams and, and Kobe Baines are both really in their first seasons where they're physically ready and also being relied upon. That for me is pretty concerning. But if Kansas is going to attack this Texas defense, like where if you were Andy Koldenecki, KU's offensive coordinator, like what would you do? How would you be trying to attack this Texas defense to try and get an edge somewhere? I wish I was Colton Mickey, man. I, that guy is so fun to watch. I Even last year, like the Houston game, and there was some other yeah. KU games, I was like, man, that is a fun offense to watch. Um, there's really two areas where you can attack Texas. One, if you have you know mesh concepts in your offense where you can get guys into that kind of short area, let's say five to ten yards, uh, and you can target David Benda in the passing game. I mean, Ford you're going to have a little more problem with because he's gotten so much better even through last year. He kind of grew as the year went on as a coverage guy. But David Benda is going to play that weak side linebacker. He's a guy that you can exploit a little bit in coverage. And maybe even Anthony Hill because Anthony Hill has been really good as a pass rusher. He was really good in the Alabama game when his role was really just to spy Jalen Milrow. Uh, but as an off-ball linebacker, you could tell he's still very much trying to figure it out. And we know how tough, especially you know, with everybody running some kind of RPO, everybody running mesh concepts, things like that, where you can get crossed up in traffic. Uh, Anthony Hill's still trying to figure that part of it out. Mm. Dynamic athlete, there's a reason he was a five-star guy. But whether it's Hill or really David Benda out there, I think Kansas can have some success exploiting Texas at that second level right there at that weak side linebacker spot. And honestly, Baylor did this a little bit last week, but 
these Texas corners, like Ryan Watts is a big physical corner. He'll play into the boundary and is exactly what you want in a boundary corner. I mean, he's 6'3", 205, long arms. I mean, if he, he gets his hands on you, like it's over. But if you can get a matchup on him where you can get, you know, a guy that relies more on quickness to where it's tough for Watts to get his hands on him, now you're talking about a guy that if he can win off the snap, uh, you know, Watts has some recovery speed, but not enough. If you can really put a burner over there, uh, you can double move him and do some different things and take some shots. And Baylor did that last week. Even you know, a guy like Terrence Brooks, who's a, a pretty technically sound corner, uh, Baylor was able to to get some you know intermediate to deep shots on him. That's really swing. Other than the two Texas turnovers, that's really the only way Baylor was able to move the ball. They had a couple of bombs. They they, they had a couple of shot plays. Then honestly. Their first field goal, they got it down into the red zone because Texas got flagged for defensive pass interference. So that that what's different is Jalen Daniels is a completely different animal than Sawyer Robertson. Like at Baylor offense, yeah. they, they were on the struggle bus last week, but uh, with the way Daniels can operate that offense, I think those are the two areas. And I think if you're a Texas fan, those are two areas you've really worried about. Do the can the corners get exploited? Does somebody have the right combination of wide receiver talent and quarterback talent to exploit the corners? And is is there an offensive coordinator patient enough and good enough to try to attack David Bend at the second level? Mm. Even even I'll say this too, you can even if you're running, you know, go back and watch some of the stuff Steve Sarkeesian did in the Alabama game, and if you can run, you know some quarters beaters type stuff because that's what texas runs they, they run you know they'll play match quarters primarily uh if you can run some some coverage beaters and really get the safeties to commit and kind of get the safeties in conflict and make them think uh especially like jaron thompson as good as he's been this year doesn't have elite recovery speed and we saw that in the alabama game where jermaine burton ran by him uh so you know catalan hasn't really been on the field when 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 they've been tested deep, Derek Williams again is a true freshman. You know, you'll see a lot of him, but he's a true freshman. It, basically, if I'm if I'm KU, I I don't try to run it up the middle. You're just going number one in the win at that point, and I try to stay away from Jedi Barron because he's he's a ball hawk. He, in my opinion, he's the most underrated defender in the country. Just stay away from Barron. Don't try to get cute and try to run right at Texas and and take your chances. There, there is a a path of least resistance mm-hmm. to try to move the ball against Texas. I love it. Great stuff. Well, let's flip to the other side of the ball. And in, in watching some of the Texas games, at least at home, it seems like there have been some some slow starts offensively. Mm-hmm. What do you think is – and I think, right, KU equally has had some slow starts offensively just in terms of penalties, really limiting what they can do. You think about the Nevada game, right, back-to-back penalties, stops a drive, um, a penalty turns a, a third and short into a fourth and long that KU can't get against BYU. Like, KU's had these issues too, but – it seems like for Texas, it's been very consistent that at home, at least, right, they've had some slow starts. What do you think is leading to that? And and what is changing then that then Texas is able to kind of get on the horse and, and really start to pull away from teams? You know, it's funny. And I, and I think for me, it basically boils down to lack of attention to detail mm-hmm. and lack of focus. I think, you know, Sark talks about, you know, competitive focus and things like that and, and, and intent. And I think some of that's missing in some of those slow starts. Like they've had procedural issues, especially in the Rice game uh, and even in the Wyoming game, they had some issues with some pre-snap penalties uh, with the offensive line. In the two road games, and granted, one of them was in Tuscaloosa, and, and the other one was in Waco against Baylor. They've only had one pre-snap penalty with the offensive line, and that was a a snap infraction on Jake Majors, and that took place in the fourth quarter when the game was already over. 
So you know, they've been really poised on the road, and I think that's because they're focused and they're locked in and they understand. So uh, that's something to watch for Texas. How locked in is this team at the start? I think, to me, that's been the best thing about this Texas offense is because the first two years under Sark, it was completely reversed, right? I mean, pretty much other than the KU game yeah. in 2021, they they had no problem getting out to big leads. They had no problem you know, getting double-digit leads at halftime. The problem was in the second half, they would kind of fade, and it looked like Sark, all, all the signatures in his offense that you see, you know, targets to motion, all the pre-snap shifts, uh, everything that he does that makes that offense special, he was doing fewer of those, and they got really vanilla. And I don't know if that was just tempting because you did have maybe the best backfield in college football with Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson just want to turn around and hand them the ball on, on simple stretch plays or inside zones uh, and maybe some gap schemes and just try to overpower people. But they weren't ready for that at that point. And they got a little bit better at that last year. And I think this year they're still trying to get their footing on, on being a team that, that can physically go pound people. I mean, that was one of the best things about the Alabama game was, you know, to milk the last, you know, almost seven and a half minutes off of the clock, just running the football. That was one of the more impressive closes to a game Texas has had in a really long time. But it's the fact now that Sark's making adjustments. Like he's, he's mm. winning, he's winning the chess match throughout the game and look if you if you can do it against the nick saban staff you can pretty much do it against anybody so that's one thing that i'm i think has been really good to see is them going in at halftime you know looking at what's working looking at what isn't putting together a good plan at the half and then coming out and executing it in the second half and you know part of that is too i, I think some of the early starts i've, I've Talk, I'll talk this out loud. I've thought about it. I think part of it is Sark's still learning who he can trust on this team. Like last year, when you've got two running backs like B. John Robinson and Roshan yeah. Johnson, like you trust those guys. And I think going into the year, like other than Xavier Worthy and uh, Jatavian Sanders, I don't know that he really trusted anybody. But you're talking about a tight end and a wide receiver. Like it's it's hard to funnel you know, your opening script exclusively to those guys. I think he's getting to the point where he's trusting Jonathan Brooks yeah. at running back. Uh, Jordan Whittington, I think, is a guy that he trusts too. I think he's got more trust in A.D. Mitchell now. So I think you're starting to see some guys that Sark really, really trusts. But, you know, this being the, the first game in conference, uh, this being, you know, a, a ranked opponent coming into town, I think you're going to see something from Sark in those first you know, 15, 18 plays that you really haven't seen a whole lot or maybe you saw it once yeah. because I think now – it's really weird. I talk about the trust factor of putting together a good opening script and, and learn, you know, knowing who you can trust to kind of carry the load. Yeah. I think, I, and this might sound like I'm talking out both sides of my mouth, but I do think he trusts these guys to, and this is where he didn't trust guys really the first two years. I think he trusts them that, hey, we don't necessarily need to run something and practice a bunch for me to feel good about running it in a game. Like conceptually, you can think of something in whether it's Quinn Ewers or an offensive line that's that's got four of the five starters from last year that'll be starting in this game, and mm -hmm. DJ Campbell, who played quite a bit down the stretch, and Sanders and Worthy Whittington, all the guys back from last year, I think he trusts them. Like, maybe you might run it, like, on a Wednesday and not really worry about it, and then, boom, it's in that opening script. I think he trusts the guys to go out and do that and execute it, whereas last year, and, and especially the year before, I think he got way too conservative in some of those second halves because he just didn't trust some of those guys. So the trust mm -hmm. to me more for the slow starts is just proven commodities on offense. You got, you knew what you had with Whittington, Worthy, and Sanders, but the fact that Jonathan Brooks is becoming one of those guys at running back, I think you'll start to see maybe some more of those opening scripts like you've grown accustomed to seeing from Sark. Yeah, and I look at this Texas offense too, right? And I think the offensive line looks incredible. 
right? You know, NFL left tackle, potential NFL right tackle, and just big and strong and physical. And I think, you know, running the ball has been consistent. I know last year, at least Quinn Ewers was a little inconsistent. And I look at this KU defense and the havoc they've been able to cause getting pressure on the quarterback, causing pass breakups. I mean, they had nine pass breakups on 51 dropbacks against BYU last week. Like that's good production. It seems like this year Quinn's been more consistent though. What have you seen from him in terms of just his growth? And do you still think he's got kind of a, a turnover there in him? Cause I feel like for KU at least like that's how they're going to have to stay in this game, right? They're going to have to force either a yeah. fumble an interception, right? Something to, to take a drive off the board from that offense and, and put KU's own offense in a really good spot. So what have you kind of seen from Quinn and do you feel like there's still a, a random turnover in him? I'll say this with the turnovers. That's really where you worry about Texas on special teams. Because, you know, Xavier Worthy muffed the punt against Baylor, and Sark said he still trusts him on punt returns. He's a guy that, man, he, as a punt returner, he lives life on the edge, man. He'll he'll catch, he'll try to catch it on the roll. He'll try to catch it on the second or third hop in traffic. And, you know, yeah, he'll, he'll pop one for 30, 40 yards. But, you know, like the Baylor game, he'll kind of drift and, uh, you know, might might put one on the ground. So if Texas is going to turn the ball over, that's that's more than often than mm-hmm. not where you'll see them turn it over on special teams. You know, pretty much under Sark, they've done a really good job. You can find a game here or there through his first two years, but th- his offense has really typically done a pretty good job taking care of the football. Uh, and Quinn Ewers right now, he's at I think 228 pass attempts in a row without an interception, and really. You can count on one hand the number of balls that he's put in traffic or put in jeopardy this year. I think he's just made smart plays. And I think a lot of that is Sark is doing stuff that really helps him out. That was one of my criticisms of Sark last year as far as Quinn. Well, look, Quinn's got to own some of that, and he did. You know, In the bowl game, he's he was blunt about it. He said, look, he's like, after that Oklahoma game, I thought I had everything figured out. And then you know they go to Stillwater, and it's a bad day for him. And a really bad day for him at home against TCU later in the year. But I think he Quinn understands the offense now. He's got a much better idea of what Sark wants to do. But Sark is utilizing formations, utilizing personnel groupings, utilizing the quick game, stuff like that, because they can get Quinn in a rhythm early. One of the best things I thought they did against Baylor, because, uh, you know, Baylor brought some pressure, and Dave Aranda's known for, you know, kind of mixing fronts and, and a lot of movement and, you know, kind of disguising fronts and, and having some delayed pressures and uh, and things that can really mess with the quarterback's mind. The Sark went with quite a bit of empty formation. They do utilize empty, but they ran it a lot more, utilize it a lot more against Baylor than, than they have early this year. Because what does empty do? It forces you as a defense to show your hand. It's harder to disguise, especially when you've got the kind of perimeter skill talent Texas does. So it just kind of cleans things up for Quinn when mm-hmm. you do things like go empty, when you utilize a lot of pre, uh, pre-snap pre motions and shifts. Uh, yeah, those are things Sark likes to do, but it, it really helps clear things up for the quarterback. And, and Quinn, you're, we're seeing him now two things. One, he's not just forcing balls to his first read, even sometimes when it's not there, which he did at times last year, uh, primarily to Xavier Worthy. And two, he's using his legs more. Like, I know everybody's heard the stories like, oh, he lost weight and stopped eating Chick-fil-A in the offseason and he feels better, lighter on his feet. But, I mean, he even showed at times last year, like the bowl game against Washington, I think that's kind of when you could see the light kind of turn on for him. Like, look, man, if rather than scanning downfield from a third, fourth read, if they're just going to give me 15-yard open path to the marker, I'll just take it. So you started to see that late last year, and you've really seen that through the first four games. That, I think, is where you look at him maturing and developing and understanding, look, it doesn't matter how you move the football. 
just move the damn ball and get the first down and let's reset this thing and keep going, right? You don't have to try to win the Heisman or be the first pick in the draft on every throw. Mm. That's a good way to put it. You know, I, I've not thought about it like that. Yeah, you don't have to prove yourself every every play. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, awesome. it's, it's one of those deals, Swain. Like, yeah. I, I look at football like this, like, uh, you know, Mike Leach, when Mike Leach brought the air raid to, to the Big 12 when he was at Oklahoma and then when he was at Tech, you know, a lot of coaches, you know, growing up in Texas, I'm around a lot of high school football coaches. A lot of people laughed at it. They're like, yeah, it ain't going to work. You're not going to win throwing the ball all over the place. Why are they throwing it for six yards? And I'm like, well, if you throw a swing pass to your running back and he gains six yards or you're running a toss play and you're getting six yards, what does it matter how you get the six yards, right? You're still getting six yards of pop. So mm. who cares how you're doing it? I think it's kind of a perception thing. I think that's where Quinn is. Like, I don't have to, you know, fire this dart in here in, in a tight window to get a 10 yard completion. I'll just, I'll just use my legs and run it. Cause you're living to fight another down and you're moving the chains and you're keeping this offense on schedule. Yeah. Final question for you then. If KU wins this game, Texas loses it. However you want to frame it. What, does that look like to you? It, it looks nasty, uh, a kind of a mucked up game. Uh, I think it's Texas turning the ball over. I think it's KU being able to consistently exploit those two areas, the Texas defense that we talked about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, David Bend at the second level and then, you know, taking your shots and, you know, making some of them count or at least getting a DPI and getting a fresh set of downs that way. Uh, but I think the turnovers, Swain, I mean, I, the, as, as impressed as I am with, you know, how KU can run the football, just the way Kotelnicki can dial it up. Uh, I just think it's just kind of like last year. I think it's just going to be really hard for Kansas to consistently run the football. I think it's going to be hard on anybody to consistently run the football on Texas this year. Uh, so, you know, it's going to have to be really what it boils down to. They're going to have to get some turnovers. Mm-hmm. And I know KU's been really good in the red zone. You're gonna have, you, you can't settle for field goals if you get in the red zone. You've got to, you've got to. So pretty much, if you get inside the twenty, I think if you're Andy Kotelnicki and you're uh, Lance Leipold, I think you, you pretty much got to think you're in four down territory, right? Mm. There. I mean, that's that's got to be your mindset. It's got to be aggressive. I look at the way Texas Tech beat Texas last year, and I think they went for it on fourth down like eight nine times in that game, yeah. uh, and, and they got really fortunate, like. B. John Robinson didn't didn't put the ball on the ground hardly at all in his college career, and that unfortunately in overtime their first possession that was one of the times where he did. So uh, I think that's kind of how it's going to be. You're going to have to yeah. extend your drives. Think about being constantly being in four down territory, which means I, I think early down play calling in this game. If I'm looking at any kind of analytical area, man, it's 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 early down play calling for me because I think both of these teams when you look at what they do well, uh, these are two of the better offenses in the country at getting the percentage of their first downs on first and second down. You're not even worried necessarily about getting the third down. So getting those er- or first downs on early downs, but also, man, just keeping yourself on schedule. If you're in third and seven plus on Saturday, a lot, if that's where you're living, it's going to be a really, really long day. I think that goes, that goes for either team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Great points, Jeff. For folks that want to find your stuff, um, where can they find you on all the socials and, and on the internet? Don't find me on Twitter because I'm a boring Twitter follower. Uh, but no, it's uh, at Jeff Howe 247 is my my Twitter account. You got the Horns 247 Twitter account. And then just uh, Horns 247, also uh, the Horns 247 podcast feed. Uh, you've got uh, 
Chip uh, Chip Brown and Eric Henry, their podcast, the flagship. You've also got myself, Matt Butler, and Rod Babers with with the Longhorn Blitz podcast, which you know the analytics stuff, just talking ball. I mean, Rod was an All American at Texas, so it's just kind of forty five minutes to an hour of just nerding out on football. So uh, even if you're not a Texas fan, I've heard fans of I've heard Aggies and Sooners and other people getting getting a good football fix from the Blitz with with how much just ball we talk. So uh, yeah, there's a couple of different ways to to get it. Awesome. Well, thanks a bunch, Jeff, for joining on the podcast, and I will, I'll see you Saturday. It's safe travels, man. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you in the press box. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.